Did you miss me? Yes, this is Anthony Day, and I'm back with the first episode of the Sustainable Futures Report for 2017. Happy New Year! There have been a lot of negative reports and comments about 2016, and it was certainly a challenging year. I predict that 2017 will be a challenging year, but a year of opportunity as well. To a large extent, after all, life is what you make it. I'm starting this year with an interview with Clive Wilson talking about the Sustainable Development Goals. Who is Clive Wilson? What are the Sustainable Development Goals? Listen on and all will be revealed. Well, the first question, Clive, is who is Clive Wilson? Gosh, that's a big one. Um, Well, who is Clive Wilson in a sustainability context? Well, that's interesting because I think my first inkling to that sort of topic was as a kid. Uh, And I remember I grew up in the 60s, uh, and in the 60s there was a lot of emphasis on uh, the hippie movement and peace and a kind of a more sustainable approach to life than had previously been the case. So I think that early grounding uh, was always there and has evolved over the years and throughout my career. So uh, things that have happened since, which probably have a bearing on where I am now, include uh, a 27-year career in the electricity industry. Mm -hmm. So things like energy particularly interest me. I've been a distribution engineer, I've been involved in health and safety in the electricity industry, and I was involved in the change as the electricity industry in the UK moved from nationalised to private. Uh, And then um, I got particularly interested in that whole aspect of changing cultures and moved into consultancy. And my work was very much around helping organisations to really understand their sense of purpose uh, and to align to it with a view to being more effective in the work that they do. And hence, I wrote the book, Designing the Purposeful Organisation, How to Inspire Business Performance Beyond Boundaries. Um, But really, it's been the last few years where um, I've been particularly inspired by the Sustainable Development Goals, uh, and that has kind of rekindled this enthusiasm for sustainability in the work that I do. Right, okay. You've been working for Prime East, the consultancy. You are, in fact, a director of that organisation. I am, yes. Yes. But talking about the Sustainable uh, Development Goals, for those who don't know, Tell us a little bit more about the background to what they are and uh, who's, who's thought them up. Well, it's really interesting because you're absolutely right. Um, I know from conversations that I've had, and I've had conversations with thousands of people in the last year or two, um, that most people are not aware of the Sustainable Development Goals. Some people have heard of the Millennium Development Goals mm. and, and the, the sort of the message of Make Poverty History, which was at the turn of the century, and the Millennium Development Goals had a sell-by date of 2015. Um, but really, global leaders and the United Nations took stock of that as we approached 2015 and said, is that it? Have we done the job? And there's a wonderful video uh, online about no point going halfway uh, that really kind of makes sense of this um, idea that the work done with the Millennium Development Goals is insufficient. We haven't completed the job. So when the United Nations looked at that, they came up with the idea of the Sustainable Development Goals, uh, and these would be a set of goals which would have a target date of 2030, 
And the thing that really inspired me about the Sustainable Development Goals versus the Millennium Development Goals is that they're all encompassing. You know, it's not just about the, develop, the developing world. They apply to the whole planet and there is something in there for everybody. And in fact, um, most businesses, 97% or thereabouts of businesses, would be able to relate to one or more of the, the new Sustainable Development Goals. And there are 17 of them. And the other thing that's really powerful about the Sustainable Development Goals is that if you engage with audiences at workshops, which I do repeatedly, and ask them what sort of world do they envisage for 2030, what would be the world that they would like to pass on to future generations, um, they come up with things that are absolutely consistent with the Sustainable Development Goals. And that's before I've even mentioned anything about the goals. So it's almost as if, um, by method or however we've done it, we've come up with a set of goals that actually reflect what people believe in their hearts is necessary going forward. Right. I'm interested that you say that they are universal and they're not just about the developing world, although I know you have had quite a lot of involvement in Malawi, for example. Yes, I have, uh, to the extent that we even helped a business to set up to do the sort of work that Prime East does in Malawi. Uh, it's a, a long story, but in a nutshell, I went out there to support an infant home um, that was helping uh, youngsters that had found themselves without parents because of AIDS and things like that. And uh, I did some work to support them. And in the process, people found out what else I did for a living. And one thing led to another, and we ended up building a business out in Malawi that was uh, doing the sort of leadership development that we do from Prime East in the UK and globally. Um, but it, but the, um, the, the clients that we tended to work for out there tended to be the NGOs, people like UNICEF, Save the Children, and, and organisations like that, the British Council, and, and so on. So yes, um, I have had a lot of involvement in the developing world, uh, not just in Malawi, but other parts of Africa as well, and, and, and other places. Um, and that has kind of run in parallel with the work, the, the sort of more mainstream work that we do with the um, corporations that we serve through, through Prime East. Um, but it, I don't think it was anything that I ever set out to do. It was just things that happened along the journey that took me down that path. But with the Sustainable Development Goals, that's been different because that has been something that has really inspired me, that I made a conscious decision. I want to do whatever I can to support the delivery of these goals. Who is actually driving the completion of these goals and who else ought to be getting involved? Well, it's been driven through the United Nations. I mean, the, the goals were drafted in 2014. The first draft I read was in Christmas 2014. I remember having that precious period over Christmas time and reflecting on a, a draft document and thinking, this is amazing, this is the world I want. Can you give us just some examples of what sort of goals we're talking about? So there's everything in there from poverty, you know, making sure that there's, there's no poverty, um, sorting out hunger, uh, fresh water, clean energy, uh, world peace, climate change, uh, gender equality, equality between nations. You know, they're, they're very easy. If you, if you Google SDGs, uh, you, and particularly if you go on images, you'll get lots of graphic representations of the 17 goals. So a lot of the recipients then are in the third world. Yeah, but not exclusively so. Tell me more about how they impinge then on what you might call the developed world. 
So if you take, for example, take America, you know, we tend to think of America as being one of the wealthiest nations on the planet. I was speaking at a conference there, um, what would it be, two years ago, uh, uh, in Houston. And uh, this was the uh, American, or the Association for Talent Development over in America. And I was doing a keynote at their conference. And um, while I was there, this conference was being held in the Houston Food Bank. And, and this, this conference, coincidentally, was in September of 2015. So it wasn't a couple of years ago, it was just over a year ago. Um, and it was at the same time that in New York, they were actually, the, the leaders of world nations were signing off the, uh, the, new, the new goals. Do Western organisations get involved in the Sustainable Development Goals as part of corporate social responsibility, or how does it affect them? Well, if we're talking about corporate organisations, mm-hmm. um, it varies. I mean, there are organisations that put the Sustainable Development Goals right at the core of everything they do. I mean, if you think of examples like Tesla, for example, um, you've got Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, developing electric vehicles, solar roofs, um, power banks for homes, and his, the, the purpose behind his business is climate change. You know, he's trying to make sure that we move from fossil fuels into sustainable electricity for, yeah. for, the, yeah. for the power. Uh, you've also got people like Paul Pullman, the CEO of Unilever, yeah. who, um, uh, as part of the work that they do, uh, they, for example, set out to make India, uh, this is just one example, uh, a place where there is less disease, and so their hygiene products go out in India. But it's not about selling more hygiene pr- products, it's about making India... Uh, a safer place for the people that, that live there. Uh, and um, you've got people like Pfizer, a uh, big pharmaceutical company. And if you go to Pfizer's headquarters, um, which is just around the corner from the United Nations in New York, you'll see the Sustainable Development Goals all across their shop front windows. There's no mention of the work of Pfizer, it's just the SDGs. So Pfizer does do some good things, although it has had a very bad press this week, hasn't it? Well, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this isn't greenwash then? This isn't uh, people um, talking the talk but not walking the walk? This is Well, I think it could be either. And it's not until you get below the surface and start exploring things that you can work out whether or not the story is a story to mask what's really going on mm. or whether people are genuinely... Um, behind a, 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 an ethical purpose. And this is what I talk about in the, uh, the first book that I wrote, Designing the Purposeful Organisation, yeah. is that if you want your organisation to be sustainable in a business sense, um, then the purpose that that organisation is serving has to have an appeal and be inspiring to all stakeholders. So the, the staff, the customers, um, the suppliers... Everybody involved, if the purpose is slanted, as so often it often is in favour of, say, the shareholder, um, and it then alienates different, um, different stakeholder groups, the organisation becomes destable. I mean, you take Enron as a classic yes, example yes, of that. Yes. The difficulty, of course, is that uh, current legislation puts an awful lot of power, if you like, uh, in the hands of the shareholders uh, against all the other stakeholders. Is that, do you think that we're going to have to see some sort of a revision to what we understand to be the capitalist model? Well, I think it depends how you play that, because the strange thing is that um, 
all of this is in the interest of the shareholders, even though it may not appear that way, but particularly the long-term interest of the, of the shareholders. If you've got a business who um, is becoming increasingly irrelevant because they're not actually supporting the world's needs, then that business isn't going to be around for very long. So actually, what is good for sustainability is usually good for longer-term corporate performance. Uh, that's not to say that some organisations wouldn't focus unduly on the short term, but they often do so at the long-term peril, if that makes sense. Mm, yes, yes. You mentioned your book, Designing the Purposeful Organisation. Yes. Since you wrote that, you've developed the theme, the Sustainable Development Goals as a Blueprint for Humanity, and that's led you to a further book, Designing the Purposeful World. So that's really taking it up a, a substantial... <laughs> I like a challenge. Yes. <laughs> So are you laying down a challenge for everybody else? Well, I think so. And the idea was, when I wrote Designing the Purposeful Organisation, it's built around uh, a very simple eight-point methodology, which is about understanding the purpose and then other things fitting in around that, be it the vision, the culture, and so on and so forth. And uh, what I've learned through practising with this model, which I've been doing for about the last 20 years, uh, is that it applies at every single level. The same principles that you use for developing a purposeful organisation and have it aligned and performing well, you can apply to a team, uh, you can apply it to projects, you can apply it to a supplier and an organisation working in partnership together. Uh, so, And that's very often the work that I do through Prime East is to help organisations and matrix organisations and projects and you name it to get aligned and to perform well. So it's not surprising that when I read the first draft of the Sustainable Development Goals, um, my mind went into my own methodology and I said, this is actually a powerful vision. Now, in Designing the Purposeful Organisation, I say that vision is a manifestation of purpose at a particular time horizon. So what you've got with the Sustainable Development Goals is a vision for 2030 which coincidentally is the same vision that I get when I ask anybody from the age of 7 to 70, which I've done in different audience groups, um, what's the world you want to see at 20, 2030? It is the Sustainable Development Goals. So, um, so when I kind of realised that this was what was going on, I thought, wouldn't it be great to take that methodology and apply it to the world and to say, here is something, a vision that we can get behind which is supporting a purpose, which is another matter which I can talk about if you wish. But um, uh, here's a vision that we can get behind, which actually everybody wants, and we could align anything to. And I've had schools talking about how they can align their curriculum to the Sustainable Development Goals, which is, which is fantastic. So, yeah, the, 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 book, the, the book which will be published in November is Designing the Purposeful World, the, the Sustainable Development Goals as a Blueprint for Humanity, unless my publisher encourages me to change the title. <laughs> How confident are you that these Sustainable Goals will actually be achieved by 2030 and we won't be sitting around saying, OK, we've got to think of something else now and we're going to carry on and finish them? Gosh, that is a really good question, Anthony. <laughs> and it's interesting because I have two different parts of my psyche pulling me in opposite directions. Uh, and I've just read um, uh, a very good book by, uh, I think it was a Dutch consultancy, 
about um, Spaceship Earth. I'll show it to you before you leave today. Okay. And, uh, and this publication has done a lot of research about to what extent will the Sustainable Development Goals be delivered and they've actually produced some data and trends and everything else. And actually, it's a fairly pessimistic view. In other words, it's saying they won't be delivered in full. We'll make progress, but we won't actually get to where we need to be. The thing that's pulling me in the opposite direction is actually the work of Al Gore. And there are some wonderful videos online. Uh, and if people want to check it out, just search for Al Gore and Reasons for Hope. You'll get loads of videos where Al Gore talks about sustainability and particularly climate change um, but a lot of the goals feed into climate change one way or another and uh, and he talks about how trends will reach certain tipping points like for example solar power will come a point where it'll just be a no-brainer that you uh, should do that in order to supply energy rather than any other means because the business case will be so awesome mm -hmm. and it's like mobile phones the predictions for mobile phones were vastly underestimated uh, and since they came out uh, all the estimates have just been uh, produced. I think it was something like a, a certain year there was a prediction that so many phones would be sold and the answer was yes they were in the first day of that year. You know it was that dramatic. So, um, so I tend to go with Al Gore a little bit to say once we get onto a treadmill who's going to buy um, a petrol car when Everybody around them is getting electric cars. You're not going to buy something that's out of date and going to be uh, unusable in a few years, are you? So it'll, it'll all take off, in my view. <laughs> in the face of optimism, the truth is that sustainability and climate change are not very high in the public conscious. And the other thing is that people have said that if you look at the way that Trump won his election, yes. and you look at the way that Brexit won their referendum, yeah. they were putting forward positive messages, and the opposition was talking about the dreadful things that would happen. Yes, And the difficulty is that if we stand and say, if you don't do anything about climate change, dreadful things will happen, it turns people off. They don't want to know. They don't want to support your point of view. So how can we be positive about climate change and sustainability. Maybe Al Gore's videos that you mentioned are the answer, but what's your view? Well, I, I do think that Al, do, Al Gore's general thinking and videos are part of the answer, and I think it is about looking at hope and optimism and celebrating what's right with the world rather than what's wrong with the world. Incidentally, I have a Facebook page which people can check out and like and follow, which is about the SDGs. Just, um, just search for uh, SDGs on Facebook and you'll get there. And what I try and do, I always label, not always, but almost always label my posts up with SDG um, 13 climate and then put a post there that is celebrating some progress towards climate change mitigation. And uh, so I always try and label the posts that go on that uh, page in a positive way. So I, I kind of err away from saying things like poverty because actually poverty isn't what we're aiming for. That's not the goal. The goal is sufficiency or prosperity or wealth or whatever you want to call it. The goal isn't poverty, even though goal number one, if you see it in the images, it always talks about poverty. Um, so I always try and rephrase it and reframe it into something that is positive. So I guess with things like climate change, what we're, what we're wanting is a, a planet 
that we can pass to future generations that is habitable, that is uh, diverse, that we can enjoy living in. Uh, it actually brings me back to the whole purpose behind the SDGs because um, when, I, when I decided to write the book, I had to ask the question, what's the purpose that the SDGs are supporting? And you're really getting into the meaning of life. And so it, my answer that I came up with, which was an answer that I thought most people could buy into, is that the purpose of life is to thrive, to evolve, and to celebrate the process. You know, whether, we, whether you think about going for a walk in nature and just marvelling at the woods or the hills or whatever it is, it's that celebration of life itself. So when it comes to climate change, to turn that into a positive, we're talking about celebrating a world that, where life can thrive, be diverse and, and be wonderful. And uh, the opposite is just hard to imagine. I, I want to pass a planet to my kids and grandkids that they will love to bits and enjoy and experience. You're also involved with the United Nations Association, which is a group of individuals, not corporates. Yes. Again, talking about how the sustainable goals can be achieved. Yes. What do you think people can do at the individual level? Oh, the, the, there is masses. And what I always... I, I always take the view that what people don't want is to be lectured at. So um, when I go and uh, run workshops at schools and universities and that sort of thing, I always start up with, what's the world that you want to see? And we go through some exercises to get that out. And then I show them the SDGs. And I always ask, which of these goals particularly inspires you? Because the wonderful thing is we're all different and different people are inspired by various goals. Uh, and I always ask, and in what way? So we come out of a, a workshop where everybody knows about the SDGs, they know which goals particularly inspires them, and they have some kind of inkling about what they would like to do. So just as an example that springs to mind, uh, I was at the University of Central Lancashire when a young man said, uh, right, the goal that inspires me is life under the oceans, uh, which I think is goal 14. So, um, so when I asked him about, well, in what way does that inspire you? He said, uh, well, I'm a scuba diver. And every time I go diving, I see plastic and fishing lines and rubbish in the oceans. And he said, I've just realised in this workshop that I want to spend my career cleaning it up. And it was just like, fantastic. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's where I think, um, you know, people will all feel inclined to do something different. And it's not for me to, to, to sort of encourage or use any, any should words in there. It's really just to say, so what do you feel inclined to do? If it's to go home, if it's a seven-year-old child at a primary school and they're going to go home and tell Dad to turn the lights out or whatever it may be, that's still a step in the right direction. Uh, but in my experience, uh, people uh, vary in their degrees of ambition. And, and what I always encourage is don't worry about the size of the step. Just take a step. And you will find that from taking one step, the next step becomes apparent and then you're on a journey. When people have listened to this, I hope that they will be inspired. I was going to ask you, what should they then do tomorrow? But you've more or less answered that already. Yeah, I think so. And I think it is getting in motion, isn't it? It is actually when you feel inspired to do something, even though your thinking may not be complete, to just do something. 
You know, the, this year I sold my Harley Davidson motorcycle and replaced it with a, a, an e-bike, a push bike um, that I just charge up. And you know what? I've been absolutely delighted. Uh, it was torturous for me to, to do that as a, an age-old biker, but, um, but taking that step has actually inspired me now that I will be doing other things uh, on, the, on the wake of that. And your e-bike is very green as well. It is very green, absolutely. Clive Wilson, thank you very much for sharing your ideas with us. Clive Wilson. Check out his Sustainable Development Goals page on Facebook. Search for SDG. And that's it for this week. Next week, I'll tell you about my interview on talk radio, about saving energy at home, about carbon capture and use, and about all the other topical sustainable issues which catch my eye between now and then. Thank you to a record number of listeners in December 2016. Numbers did drop off a bit over Christmas and the New Year, but I expect you had other things on your mind. I'm wondering whether to revise the Sustainable Futures report and make it a monthly publication rather than coming out every week. That would give me time to do other things. Maybe I could even write a book. What do you, loyal listeners, think? No, sorry, voice recognition. That's loyal listeners, not loyal blisters. Anyway, this is Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. And remember, it comes to you as always without advertising, sponsorship or any form of subsidy. So bear me in mind if you need a conference speaker, host for your award ceremony or webinar facilitator. All other comments, criticisms and ideas for the Sustainable Futures Report gratefully received, mail at anthony-day.com. Till next time, bye for now. Thank you.